0: Hi, I'm Bea Elliot. I'm a vegan abolitionist here in Central Florida. You can find me on the web by googling provoked animal rights or go to beelliot.blogspot.com. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this next uh, Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. Uh, it's a great podcast and thank you, Jordan, for all you do. I know that human beings and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian, vegan. Yeah, get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Welcome to episode 13 of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. This episode I have some more small stories. A curious story about a local vegetarian scout selling meat for fundraising, a potato pest, a rodeo ball, hype about animal cruelty in New Zealand. My bumper was from a dear friend, B Elliot. It's my last bumper, so next episode I'll have to start reusing the other ones. If you're a vegan, I'd love to have a bumper to play from you. My full list of bumpers are from Sam Tucker, Elizabeth Collins, Roger Yates, Jesse Hume, Chris Noaro, Corey Wren, Barbara DeGrand, and Nell B. Elliot. Vegetarian Scout I was interested to find a story about a local vegetarian in Invercargill's newspaper, The Southland Times. It's a rather odd scenario, a 14-year-old vegetarian selling meat for fundraising. Pip Prouting is a scout. Just to be clear, scouts are a group of young people who go camping and earn merit badges. A jamboree is a large national or international gathering of scouts. Here are some extracts from the full article. Running a sausage sizzle is tough when you're a vegetarian, but that is also the sort of sacrifice a scout will make to get on a jamboree. It's a sacrifice 14-year-old Pip Prouting was willing to make. Pip is one of 11 Southern Scouts who have packed their bags for the 22nd Australian Jamboree at Cataract Lake, just south of Sydney, which will be held from this Saturday to January 15th. The group of nine boys and two girls, along with Pip's scout leader father Mike, flew out last night. After 18 months of fundraising, during which Pip and her father estimated they sold about 3,500 sausages outside the warehouse, the time had finally come to head across the ditch. About 200 New Zealand scouts would make the trip to the Jamboree. At a cost of $2,500 a scout, the Southland group had to think about fundraising a long time before the event, he said. But Southlander's affection for sausages helped out a fair bit, he said. I cannot believe the amount of people who will eat sausages at all hours of the day, once again, he said. Pip was one of the scouts who attended the previous New Zealand Jamboree in Christchurch two years ago where 30 children were quarantined after displaying norovirus symptoms. Here are some comments from two vegan friends, from the Vegans Chat email group. D. Aren't there other ways to raise money, I wonder? And Bruce Grenville said, When I was a Boy Scout, fundraising was always done by the Bob-a-job week, where we all knocked on doors and offered to work for payment. Usually this meant polishing silverware, cleaning sheds, doing gardening, etc. But those southern Scouts could have offered vegan sausages, so where does that kid get off saying whatever it takes to get to Oz? There is nothing in the Scout Code that says you should forsake your ideals to score money. Rodeo Ball A ball which escaped into a crowd of spectators at a rodeo near Rotorua today was captured with no injuries to the crowd or the animal. The one-ton bull was in a yard when it jumped a fence and was loose for about 40 seconds, Rodeo Secretary Maxine Timoana Nui told NZPA. A group of bullfighters managed to subdue the bull, but it was pure luck that no one was injured, Miss Timoana Nui said. It was just handled really well. The bull was up and running round, and animal welfare personnel and a vet at the rodeo had no concerns for its well-being, she said. I just wanted to mention that story because of how the animal would have been treated. So, the animal manages to get free, but oh no, we can't have that, and it gets subdued. If the spectators could see this, I would imagine there would have been a large cheer as the naughty animal got put into its place. Rodeos are not really part of New Zealand culture, although it seems like there is a travelling circuit for the event. I suppose the same riders go from place to place, and ride local animals, another story mentions Australians also taking part. Tianel is a beautiful part of New Zealand. It's a couple of hours north of Invercargill in the South Island. It's known for its scenery of mountains, lakes, and waterfalls. Scenes for the Lord of the Rings trilogy were filmed there, but it is also known for the Tianel Rodeo, which has been going on for forty odd years. Here are extracts from a story about the Tianel Rodeo. Eight seconds. It might seem insignificant, but at yesterday's Tianel Rodeo it was the difference between glory and a full of dirt. Heavy rain in the morning brought fears the event would be postponed, as it had been in January, but the weather gods finally bestowed sunshine on the 42nd Tianel Rodeo, bringing a crowd that swelled to an estimated 2,500 by the time the marquee event, the open bull ride took place, organizers said. So, by Tianheo standards, the swollen crowd number's about 2,500. Wow. Commentator Bruce Campbell summed up proceedings best by saying the eight-second window was key to the larger events. It's not very long, eight seconds, but when you're sitting on a half-tonne of beef, it's a long time. Competitor Ben Possum Watson of the Hakateramiya Valley, said in eight seconds time, could stand still. It is a long time. A lot of stuff goes through your head. However, man beating beast in time was only part of the recipe for success, one judge explained. It scored out of 100, 50 points for the rider and 50 for the ball, he said. Young cowboys and cowgirls also got their chance to impress, and the junior steer ride, calf ride, and sheep ride. For many, it was their first time in the rodeo arena. Nine-year-old Kate Turnbull of Tianel was unfazed after pitching over the neck of a calf into the gravel after two seconds on her first ever attempt. I didn't hurt myself. I was just fine. As soon as I was off, I was done. I hate seeing children at rodeos. They get indoctrinated that it's okay to treat animals in this manner. Potato pest. Another story in the Southland Times was about a potato pest. A Southland potato grower is setting insect traps to test for a potentially harmful pest that has cost the industry about 47 million since 2008. The tomato potato psyllid was discovered in the North Island last year, and in some cases, it wiped out almost 70 percent of crops. Southland-based Piper's Produce co-owner Brendan Hamilton he set up four sticky insect traps in one of his potato patches to catch any psyllids that might have migrated south. The pest injected toxins into potatoes that would cause them to turn zebra-striped and black when cooked. Stopping here, notice the word toxin and that this toxin makes the potatoes turn black when cooked. Sounds gross and deadly, right? Wrong. Back to the story. The toxin cannot harm humans, but the change in looks meant that potatoes would be unsellable, he said. Oh dear, so these awful toxins no doubt injected by a pest. All they do is make the potato go a different colour when you cook it. I'd gladly eat black potatoes, if they were the same apart from colour, didn't hurt any bugs, and cost less. I was interested in the photo that went with the story. The farmer was putting up large sticky pieces of paper. Essentially, these are glue traps for flying insects. Glue traps are being banned worldwide. They're used for catching mice and other ground pest animals. The animal touches the sticky paper and is stuck to starve to death since they cannot move. But these traps also kill birds who touch them, and so they are being removed from sale. These sticky pieces of paper, attached to a stick like a banner beside the crop, Surely these will catch butterflies and so-called good insects. Possibly birds, although I'm not sure. Since the paper is hanging off the ground, perhaps a bird would be able to get free. In any case, I thought it was an interesting story, since glue traps placed on the ground are being slowly banned, and that a local farmer is using them to catch flying insects. I don't know much about killing so-called pest animals. I don't know if we really have to do it or not. I have a small vegetable garden, and my lettuces and silver beet get holes munched in their leaves, but it's not like it harms me personally. I have nothing against the snails or other bugs that have very small stomachs compared to me. There's plenty to go around. I figure, if I were eating bread, and a small bird appeared next to me, asking for a small bit tossed its way, I'd oblige, so why not let a few insects have their fill from my vegetable garden?' Again, I don't know if large, commercial-scale crop farmers need to kill pest animals. I understand it's different to my own personal little vegetable garden. But the potato pest in the story only leaves cosmetic damage, like the holes that get put into the leaves in my vegetable garden. It's not like we are harmed by black potatoes, or a hole or two in our silverbeet. Animal cruelty law. A fair amount of buzz has been reached over a National Party politician talking about cracking down on animal cruelty in New Zealand. Tauranga MP Simon Bridges has drafted a bill asking for the maximum penalty for deliberately mistreating animals under the Animal Welfare Act to be raised from three years to five years in prison. I personally don't see the point of these types of laws. In many ways, I don't see how you can punish someone properly for what they do to animals. An eye for an eye would make the whole world blind, and you cannot kill someone twice. Throwing someone in jail for up to five years instead of the current up to three years will only cost the country more money. One estimate for the current cost of housing an inmate is roughly 92,000 New Zealand Dollars a year. Let's round that up to 100,000, it will cost that much in a year or two anyway. Here are two examples mentioned. For example. Wayne Williams, 34, was sentenced to four months in jail for beating his partner's dog with a metal pole before strangling it to death. And Peter James Cooksley, 48, shot a cat with a crossbow bolt through the abdomen for entering his house, but was fined just $500. Mr. Kerridge said, many acts of animal cruelty were committed by people to torment their partners including a case where a man was sent to prison for two months for throwing three kittens against a wall. Using that last example, two months in jail would cost about $16,000 currently. Yet, had the man thrown three mice or 300 mice against the wall, it wouldn't be a crime. If the large crime was because the kittens died, then if the man had brutally killed three wild animals, I doubt anyone would care. I don't see much distinction between the worth of an animal. I love my chicken friends, and I don't like cats, but I wouldn't say that a chicken's life is worth any more than that of a cat. They're no more special. Yet, society would actually go the complete opposite way, that chickens are killed every day for our food, while cats are protected. It's pretty much illegal to kill a cat for its meat in New Zealand. It's also illegal to sell clothing made from cat's fur, for example. Housing someone who killed a cat or dog, a pet class animal, for five years will end up costing taxpayers $500,000, half a million dollars, at $100,000 a year. And for what? Reports are that almost all prisoners go on to re-offend within a few years of release anyway. I really don't know what to do about crime. I don't think New Zealand is as bad as some countries for criminal offending, but we sure get a lot of media hype about crime. One solution by the current national government, who leans right-wing, is cracking down or getting tough on crime. New low-cost inmate housing is being evaluated, including a proposal of keeping criminals in modified shipping containers. We have a few new prisons in New Zealand that get brought up as being extravagant. One near where I live, in Milton, is called the Milton Hilton, because it has, among other things, underfloor heating which is a luxury to have in a personal house. But, I bet most large buildings now have it, as it's meant to be the cheapest way to heat a large building. I think a prisoner has a right to some sort of basic warmth. Surely if we imagine someone who is abusive to animals, perhaps training dogs for dog fighting, by being cruel to them, keeping them locked up, keeping them cold, beating them, then how do we imagine those dogs turn out? If we do the same thing to the person who did that to animals, how do we expect them to turn out? I would assume they wouldn't come out as a credit to society. My dad is into that sort of cracking down on crime attitude. He's thought up some great scheme where would throw all the prisoners into some sort of building and they'd sort themselves out. That's an image that gets brought up by politicians quite often now. We have this image that we're being too soft on criminals and that the country is at war with thugs and drug dealers. That we all need to have all kinds of harsh penalties. I don't see keeping someone locked up for up to five years as being a good way to avenge the life of an animal. It will only cost us, based on a $100,000 a year, half a million dollars to keep them locked up for that time. Of course, all this talk of being tough is just to appease the public. Most will get out on parole. Hey, you didn't kill any other inmates here. You've been such a good boy. You've served half your sentence. Why not go back out into the wild? No doubt, people feel pleased about all this talk of cracking down and helping animals. The proposed law changes will go nowhere, if they are even passed at all, towards helping animals. There's currently a campaign called Poor Justice. It's run in part by the SPCA. Huh! I've just realised, I've gone this whole episode without playing a single clip. Hell, I'm panicking a little bit. Here's one of the poor justice ads. When the fight is in fear, then the rules must change. We need you in our corner to help fight animal cruelty. Make your pledge and sign the poor justice petition. I pledge. I pledge. I pledge to fight for what I believe in. To prosecute offenders who hurt... Torture or kill animals. Go to poorjustice.co.nz. What would you do if somebody hurt your pet? Tell your friends and family, because together we can make a difference. Notice the language of the B-list New Zealand celebrities on the ad. They mention that it's a fight all the time. I guess it's similar to the war on terror or the war on drugs. Also, what would you do if it were your pet? Well, I don't know, but I doubt I'd be allowed to lock someone up in my closet for a few years, and it certainly wouldn't cost me $100,000 per year. Lastly, one of the people says, to prosecute offenders who hurt, torture or kill animals. I guess the police will be showing up at the freezing works for us then, since it's an offence to kill animals. I guess saying the truth would have been difficult to put on the ad fine print would have to pop up, as being prosecuted for killing animals was mentioned, saying, We only care about certain animals that are cute and cuddly, such as cats. And while chickens are superior in every way, they must be grown and then exterminated, because it's our tradition to eat them. One of the television ads has a celebrity mention making a move towards animal rights, since animal rights has become something of a buzzword. I don't really see making a law change to cost the taxpayers up to $500,000 a year, instead of only up to $300,000, is animal rights. Putting people in jail after they have killed animals doesn't save any lives. I think animal rights means veganism. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Nonhuman Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Nonhuman Animals, at coexisting with coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com If you want to contact me, even just to say you've listened, send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash j-a-y-w-o-n-t-d-a-r-t. I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the ocean of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan, it's easy, it's better for you, it's certainly better for the planet, and most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.